Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to The Insight, a usual Sunday afternoon. You're sitting down, you've got a cup of tea and no football on apart from internationals. So you're probably sitting down and maybe watching the cricket final at this time or you might, you might have already finished watching it. But we are going to be talking about Virgil van Dijk. It is happening again. The timeline is going crazy over probably one of the greatest centre-backs in Premier League history. But we want to figure out how he's gone and how he might be coming back. We, I literally released a statement earlier uh, and Virgil van Dijk in that statement said, I have the feeling that I can do everything again. So Virgil, let's find out why you have that feeling. With me as always is uh, Raj. How are you, bro? Yeah, good, thanks. Good. I think uh, I'm not looking forward to the international break, to be honest. But yeah, it gives us a chance to talk about topics like this where we can kind of reflect on the season as a whole. Absolutely. Um, we've seen loads of comments coming through, so thank you for all the support. Keep supporting the Spotify or wherever you listen to the pod. If you have any questions or any topics you want us to cover, then tweet either Raj or myself or at No Ratings Pod. Uh, without further ado, let's talk about Virgil van Dijk. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about his form that dropped off, but I think let's let's go on a timeline here and let's go back to the start uh, peak Virgil van Dijk often spoken about as one of the greatest centre-backs ever, not just by fans, but also by ex-pros and pros that have played against him. Um, that level of van Dijk deserves a conversation because then I think that would it would only make sense as to why we've landed here once we go there. Uh, so let's talk about peak van Dijk. Yeah, the first thing I want to mention about peak Virgil van Dijk is people actually reduce his peak to two seasons. And actually, that is factually incorrect. The £75 million fee that Liverpool paid for Van Dijk didn't just come out of thin air. It wasn't just some kind of hit and hope signing. This was pedigreed mm. quality that they were buying. And it was not just Liverpool who were interested. It was five of the big six. Liverpool, Man City. You even saw in the Man City documentary, they said they went for Imeric Laporte instead. Um, Arsenal, they didn't even get talks in the end. Manchester United, they didn't get talks. Chelsea, I think they did get talks, but Van Dijk preferred Liverpool. Um, so, yeah, the peak of Van Dijk started from the 2015-16 season where he was, I remember saying this at the time, top two centre-back in the Premier League. The other guy, Toby Alderweireld, I think those two were the standout in 2015-16. Then Van Dijk continued that on in 2016-17. Um, I remember there was one game against Liverpool where Sadio Mane was on fire for his first season at the club. He came running through. Van Dijk came out of nowhere and made a tackle to stop him. And that was, that was when I thought, mm. wow, this is a special centre-back here. Um, so then for half of that season, he was, again, top two centre-back in the league. Then Jamie Vardy kind of stood on his ankle and injured him for the rest of that season. Um, and then obviously the links came in the summer and then he did move to Liverpool in the January of uh, 2018. 
I think the timeline of Virgil van Dijk's career is really interesting because as football fans, we immediately go, who was he playing for and when and how old? And that immediately casts an idea in your mind that, oh, he was 25 or 26, I think, when he was at Southampton. Ah, he was old. And also, I think it's always it's much more difficult to shine in a Southampton team that, if you remember at that time, were sort of they were winning 3-0 one week and losing 3-1 the next week. Um, and one of uh, Southampton's keeper, keepers, if I'm not wrong at that time, was Roger Guy, you don't rate at all, Alex McCarthy, I think. I could be slightly wrong. My timeline could be slightly off, but I'm pretty sure. Was it him and Fraser the six or seven. Well. I think so. And they're two goalkeepers (laughs) that I know you don't rate very highly. Uh, But that's a story for another day. Um, What what would you say made Van Dijk that good um, at that time? Yeah, let's then move on a bit to his Liverpool time where he then came in during the January of 2018. That was a Liverpool defence which was falling apart. They were known as a kind of kamikaze team, um, scoring loads at one end and then leaking a lot at the other end. Uh, but he came in in the January 2018 and got Liverpool to the Champions League final. It was an instant remedy to their issues. So you could see his impact as a world-class defender right there. What made him so good? Uh, we then sort came to see that in the 2018-19 season, 2019-20 season, where Liverpool won the Premier League and Champions League. This guy has no weakness, Virgil van Dijk. You can f- try and find one and you, you, won't, you won't get any luck. In the air, dominant. Probably the, He is the best in Europe in the air, actually, statistically, as a centre-back. Ground jewels. Some people say he's a bit too passive, but back then actually he did engage in more jewels when he then went on to do. He became a bit more passive after his injuries, but he was still good in ground jewels. There was, I think, he didn't get dribble pass for a ridiculous amount of games in that 2018-19 season, and then I think Nicolas Pepe did it and then went into a cul-de-sac. Mm. I think he was just looking to get the stat <laughs> on his record for some reason. But yeah, um, <laughs> passing wise, he is very cool under pressure. He isn't exactly a kind of John Stones or um, an Upamecano where he drills line-breaking passes into feet, but he will never give it away under pressure or very rarely give it away under pressure. And then the big weapon in his locker is the long switch. He can play long switches mm. better than any centre-back in the world. Uh, he's up there with the likes of Mats Hummels and Leonardo Bonucci in terms of how good he is at playing that. Um, and that switch to Mane, uh, we saw it tear apart Bayern Munich in the Champions League um, uh, quarterfinal, I think it was. We've seen that switch to Salah, and it's been uh, a key theme of yeah. Liverpool's game. I think Mikel Arteta in that 2019-20 season was like, you can press Liverpool, you mm. can press them. But then Van Dijk suddenly comes out of nowhere and switches it uh, 100 yards or whatever yeah. and destroys your press. And he said, what can you do about that? And he's right, opposition were helpless against it. Um, and then... What else can we talk about in terms of him? He's got his pace as well. His pace and it, and his um, recovery pace is outstanding. And that was the hallmark of Van Dijk. He used to cover for his partner all the time by sweeping across and shutting mm. out. If, if his partner was beaten by running behind, Van Dijk would still be there and sweep across and take the ball out of danger. Uh, so, yeah, those were the qualities of Van Dijk. And it made him the best centre-back in the world. And I think he finished one vote behind Lionel Messi in the Ballon d'Or. One thing definitely to note there is when you're speaking about centre-backs, uh, at that time, Van Dijk was partner to Lovren, who, of course, uh, as many football as many football fans, especially Liverpool fans, say now, was definitely not an adequate partner for Virgil van Dijk. Uh, more often than not, Lovren would charge out of position to win a duel, not win the duel, and Van Dijk would end up sweeping up for him, or at least try to. Um, so that period of Van Dijk, definitely, in my eyes as well, Uh, was the best I've seen of a centre-back, mainly because of all the attributes you've just said. But something that I think people don't talk about 
is his technical quality. Uh, and I know we're going to talk about that when we come to where he is right now. So I won't give too much away. Um, I think normally people see, see Pete Van Dyke and go, he was fast and he was strong. Um, and so therefore he was brilliant. But his ability to read the game is second to none at that period in his peak. His ability to know when to go and when not to. Uh, obviously one of the most famous uh, sort of challenges that he didn't end up making and didn't need to was the one against Tottenham where he stands between Sissoko and I think it's Son, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and he sort of jockeys between the two and forces Sissoko to his left-hand side. Sissoko skies his shot yeah. uh, into Rosette, and Van Dijk even said, I knew that would happen. And then in that same season as well, he in the Champions League final against Spurs, there was an even more uh, of an impressive one where Son was, this was peak Son, electric pace. He ran in behind, had a clear shot on goal, Van Dijk again did that thing where he swept across out of nowhere with his recovery pace and took it out for a corner. And yeah, he got man of the mm. match in that Champions League final. He dominated everything. I think Liverpool played in a bit of a deeper block because they knew they had the insurance policy of the best centre-back in the world. Well, the deeper block reminded me of something from last season. So let's go to what happened next. Um, because people have obviously spoken a lot about Virgil van Dijk's fall off, if you like. Um, and normally for centre-backs, once a fall off happens, there isn't much of a comeback. Because typically, if you're a centre-back like in Van Dijk's mould, Rio Ferdinand had this in his career, once you lose your pace or your yard of pace, suddenly attackers can get at you and you have problems. Of course, we know the injury happened. This is the insight. We don't need to analyse the injury. Although, Raj, you are a specialist um, <laughs> in that field anyway, so you can probably elaborate a bit more than I can. Uh, but Virgil van Dijk then has the injury and then this period of layoff where a lot of people regard him as finished. Yeah, obviously that injury happens in the 2021 season. I think Liverpool were on track to win that Premier League title. They were top at Christmas. I think Van Dijk got injured shortly before that. And that actually robbed Van Dijk a season of his prime. He got robbed of it from that uh, tackle from Pickford. Came back in the 21-22 season. Liverpool challenged for the quadruple that season. But... In my opinion, you could tell he wasn't quite at those kind of Ballon d'Or contending levels he was at before. And you could notice it slightly. Mm. And I spoke to an orthopedic surgeon actually at the time, and he has done surgeries on many um, ACLs uh, and repairs. And he said he'll never get that turning radius that he once had. He'll never get that back once he's got that different ACL in his knee. Because what the ACL is, is basically a graft from your hamstring. So they take it from your own hamstring and they put that in as your new ligament. Um, and you mm. won't quite have the same position sense of where your knee is. because You need that position sense for your brain to then signal to turn. You won't quite have that with this new ligament. And you could tell. I think there was a game against Atletico Madrid where Griezmann had received the ball running one direction against Van Dijk. And then he suddenly turned in the next direction. Van Dijk couldn't respond. And he was shot. He couldn't turn mm. in time to stop Griezmann. Griezmann scored. Um, so it was slight things like that. And I think we noticed he became a bit more passive. I think he wasn't willing to engage in duels. Because in my opinion, one of Van Dijk's best qualities is he's great at nipping in front of attackers before the attack can get started. And he, and he kills the attack stone dead. And those were the areas I think he was slightly off his uh, former peak. Just on the point of the ACL injury, obviously, for those listening like myself who, who haven't studied what you've studied or even have the contacts that you have, this is fascinating insight, by the way. I'm not not deliberately playing on a bit, but what, what do they call that? Um, I can't remember the word. Wait, wait. 
a pun. <laughs> a pun. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> um, wow. Um, coming back to that ACL, in sort of baby language, um, you were saying that obviously he has a, a piece from his hamstring that goes into his knee. Um, and then Griezmann has that moment where he goes across him. And I can literally remember the fear in Van Dyke's eyes. Um, why, or more so, why is that so impactful for a footballer? Because obviously as a centre-back, I think it is all about how you can respond to what the attacker is going to do. It's a, it's a very reactive position. Uh, you can't just be proactive. Those are the kind of minor, I don't like those type of centre-backs where they go flying into everything without mm. changing what they're going to do. As a top centre-back, you need to be able to react, change direction, change your speed and things like that. So that's why the reaction time would have been slightly off by having that foreign piece of tissue in his knee, effectively. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Mm. Um, fascinating, man. We should do an insight just on injuries because like most people wouldn't know this. Like, obviously, I've had loads of injuries, so I know that they take a piece out of your hamstring and put it into your knee. And I've also played the game. So I know like once that happens, like, I've ripped my hamstring twice uh, and I know how much of a damaging impact that can have on you. But this insight is not about me, thankfully, or my injury record. Um, one thing, there was a moment, there was a game actually last season where Liverpool played City and Liverpool played in their deep block. Remember I mentioned, we'll talk about the deep block. Um, and Gomez and Van Dijk played at centre-back. And I remember we spoke after... And we were like, wow, like that was peak Gomez, peak Van Dijk in terms of shutting City out. Um, but equally, we knew that it wasn't repeatable from Liverpool. But that, I thought that was the first sign of one, Van Dijk's strength was still there, but also one, he had new weaknesses. Because in a deep block, there wasn't much space behind him, so he wouldn't have to run. And the problem he was having in this season uh, where he, he'd come back from his injury was that he wasn't that keen to get into foot races with anyone. Um, so what he was doing is going touch tight to Haaland or touch tight to De Bruyne. And if they nicked it past him, he was tugging a shirt or he's clipping their ankles. That for me was a sign of his weakness. But a sign of his strength was his he started winning duels again. And I felt like that game maybe turned the cog a little bit for him where he realized I've still got the physical power. I maybe don't have the athletic power right now, but I've just dealt with Haaland for the best part of 94, 95 minutes or whatever it was. And next to Gomez, that joint partnership sort of returned. Now onto this season, where I think all well, those signs last season, I think you saw that again. I know you said those those jewels started to become a bit more comfortable for him. I agree, definitely so. Uh, but if you remember back to the first game of that season, I remember Liverpool drew two two to Fulham. Alexander Mitrovic ran in on goal, and yes. again that same kind of mechanism where Griezmann did him with a change of direction. Mitrovic quickly went to his left. Van Dijk then hacked him down. Very uncharacteristic yeah. of Virgil Van Dijk. And that's where you saw, again, that same issue where he's not 
turning as quickly. And then I think there was another thing where um, Liverpool played against Brentford. Brentford away, Van Dijk had a straight direct foot race with Brian Mbwemo. And Mbwemo was running in on goal. Uh, Van Dijk, I think, had a bit of a head start as well. And Van Dijk couldn't get near him. Mm. And yeah, that was a worrying sign that Brian Mbwemo was outpacing him. And then I think whether this was the cause of the um, uh, him losing the race or the result of him pushing himself, he had a hamstring injury straight after that, got subbed off. Uh, and you could see then Virgil van Dijk doesn't pick up soft tissue injuries except for when he gets tackled and fouled. Uh, he's normally very robust. Yeah. So again, that was a very worrying sign. There was um, the, the moment of van Dijk getting jinked past, it, past is the term I'm going to go with here. There was Mitrovic, like you mentioned, um, and we were obviously in a foot race. Perisic happened as well last season. I think Rashford happened Perisic last season. Perisic again, change of direction, um, cutting inside after yeah. dribbling down the wing. And the fascinating thing about a lot of the players that were doing this to him is with no disrespect to Mitrovic or Perisic, they're not dribblers. <laughs> um, like, like they're not guys who are going to turn defenders inside out. Perisic maybe because he's two-footed, but not to the extent of what happened to Van Dijk. Like Van Dijk actually just collapsed on the floor that time. Um, so that brings us to this season. Uh, why is he back? What's what's brought him back to life? So let's use the Brian and Buemo example as a reference point. Last season, we mentioned he got outpaced in a foot race with Mbwemo whilst having a head start. Now, this latest game Liverpool played against Brentford, Van Dijk again had Mbwemo one-on-one in a foot race. Mbwemo was released uh, down the left-hand side. Van Dijk, we talked about his sweeping earlier. He came across, swept that run after Mbwemo had a head start beat him, out-muscled him, and then put it out for a corner. And that was when I thought, wow, Van Dijk might have his peak athleticism back here. And then you mentioned that quote earlier uh, that he said, I can do everything that I could do before. Wow, you've just shown it there, Virgil. So that was a very positive sign. That Mbomo moment, I saw your tweet, actually, um, which was very popular, by the way, over 3,000 likes uh, about that moment. Because I think... When you cast your mind back to the moment, we've, we've and we've literally spoken about both the Mboma and Mboma battles in the last seven or eight minutes. Um, and I've just typed in Mboma, your name, Van Dyke, and it's come up with your tweet exactly when that happened. Uh, the first time round when he got beaten in a oh, race, really? and also this time round. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you I, and I'll read the tweets out to you right now. So your tweet, 10th of the 4th, 2023. Uh, I do think Van Dyke's peak levels are behind him. There are little incidents like Mbomo outpacing him, Jesus forcing him to foul him on the right touchline yesterday, but still think he can be excellent if Klopp addresses midfield. Then four days ago, um, or at the time of this coming out, this is almost immediately after the Bournemouth game, uh, very uh, pertinent, what a word that is, Um, (laughs) moment for... Um, moment for Van Dyke. Remember, he lost out in a foot race versus Mbuma away at Brighton last season. Mbuma had a head start and Van Dyke dominated him. This time, crucial intervention at 1-0, imperious start to the season. So that kind of tells us where he's at now, where he's been literally in just two tweets alone. Um, one of the other things that I think is really impressive about Van Dyke this season, and I've got a bunch of stats which I'll reel, out, reel off in a second, but we spoke about him still being able to win duels, but there was also that problem that he had uh, during his injury where he was I think shirking out of duels at times uh, which is completely understandable you just come back from an ACL problem um, but now we're seeing Van Dyke bully strikers and that is what I've always associated Van Dyke with like he's a big man but he's bigger than any striker he comes up against Dominic Calvert-Lewin is someone that I thought Van Dyke always I always felt he struggled against that type of profile someone who could win flick on someone who's a pest someone who would always harass you when the ball's in and around you 
And Van Dyke for a little while, especially in that season that people were saying he was he'd fallen off, he did not want that battle. Uh, it was almost as if Van Dyke was going, I'd actually rather not get involved in this. Um, so I was looking at the fixtures Liverpool have just had. Uh, obviously, Everton, where he was incredibly dominant. Um, Nottingham Forest, he was incredibly dominant against Awanyi. Even Luton, although Liverpool drew, he bullied Carlton Harris. Um, it is Carlton oh, Harris. Morris. Carlton oh, Harris, Morris. like... Carlton Morris, yeah, wow. Hey, listen, people are going to think I don't watch football, but my brain's gone at this point. Um, and generally, the dominance that he's shown has been outstanding. Um, and I think that is an element of what we know Van Dyke for. Um, but with all these things, people are going to sit there going, yeah, he's brilliant again. Uh, he's fast and strong again. But what would you say makes Van Dyke different? Yeah, that's a good question. I think what makes Virgil van Dijk different from the other world-class centre-backs is every action of his is controlled. Every action of his has a purpose. I'll give you a few examples. When there's an aerial duel, if van Dijk is in a position where he can control where he's going to head the ball, he'll do it. So what I mean by that is he won't just head the ball and lump it out into any position. He'll see and look where his teammates are before going up for it and then kind of cushion the header into their path. So Liverpool can then start a counter-attack. And I've seen that several times. The other thing is when he makes a tackle, he doesn't just, you very rarely see him slide and go to ground like a Ruben Diaz, for example, we saw against Chelsea, where Obrojo managed to win the penalty off him. He's a lot more controlled. He'll make the tackle in a position where he's definitely going to win the ball, number one. But number two, he can then do something with the ball afterwards. So he'll make the tackle and then kind of, almost, again, cushion that tackle into his own path, if he can. Uh, and then he can make a pass from there. And then number three, the way he can also uh, spray those passes, it's not just a long punt upfield, which we see with many centre-backs. He wants that ball within an inch of, for example, Mo Salah's toe, when he plays that long cross-field switch. Mm. He wants it so he can control it and then bring it into his in his path and then take a shot, create or dribble. Um, and yeah, that's why I think he is different from the other centre-backs. Even with his left foot, I was watching a compilation of his against Brentford. He was chipping left-footed passes into the feet mm -hmm. of the likes of Darwin Nunez. Um, and that's very deliberate. So that shows his technical quality, but also his composure and his control of every action. There was a moment, I think it's exactly that pass you're on about Darwin Nunez. It was the ball sort of like hip height for the striker and he just jumps in front and just pass it with the inside of his foot down the line, like 20 yards down the line to Darwin Nunez, straight to like his knee. Yeah, You see the moments and it's just like the man is in control again. And I felt um, that we spoke about before, he, he maybe didn't have as much control in the in the previous season. Um, I've got a few stats here. Like I said, I, I also want to incorporate more stats for the insight. Uh, just to, I think it's fascinating to know him. Uh, Virgil van Dijk is yet to come out second best in a tackle in the Premier League this season. He's won all 13 he's contested in. He's also not been dribbled past in the top flight. Um, and then there's just an, an array of stats, which I just think is outstanding. Yeah, he's won 88% of his aerial duels this season, which is the highest in Europe. Um, he's currently averaging 6.1 aerial wins per game. So if you're a striker and the ball's going up, there's not going up more than five or six yeah. times he's winning um, it every uh, single uh, time. Uh, Liverpool, just quickly, that is very important because they don't have a defensive midfielder who's strong in the air like a Rodri or a Declan Rice. They need their centre-backs to be mm. coming out proactively and shutting off those aerial balls. Um, and Van Dijk's key to that. He's kind of papering over the weakness of McAllister in the air um, and winning those duels for him, really. And 
alongside that, there's a rotating centre-back as well. Mm. Matip comes in, Kanate comes in, Van Dijk is still very, very consistent at the moment. As always, Raj, I'll give you the last word. Any final thoughts on this Virgil van Dijk, um, let's say, comeback season? So, yeah, I was kind of debating who the best centre-back in the world is this season. And I think maybe three names came to mind. I think uh, number one, Ruben Diaz, especially after the back, back of the, his last season where he kind of led Man City to the treble. The other one was Kim Min-Jae at Bayern Munich. I thought mm. he's had a fantastic start. He, again, is in the mould of kind of a Van Dijk. He doesn't have real and many weaknesses. He's got the pace, he's got the strength, he's got the area ability, he's got the ball-paying ability. And then Van Dijk was the third one that came to mind. I mean, obviously, William Saliba might be a fourth as well. Um, I think Van Dijk has kind of shown in these last few weeks, he's still a cut above those guys. I think the big one, obviously, next is against Erling Haaland. And I'm really anticipating that one. Can Van Dijk match up against him? You said he did a deeper block last season. I think this season, I think Klopp won't play a deeper block. I think he'll think he's got that midfield dynamism now to match Man City in terms of pressing them uh, and be able to outrun them as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think that will be the final frontier for Van Dijk. Can he get back to dominating the Haaland's, the Canes, uh, and those kind of strikers? Um, and I'll be interesting to see it. I am drooling at the prospect of Liverpool against Man City. Um, I almost forgot that it was happening because of the international break, but in nine days' time, I think it is Saturday afternoon kickoff. What a terrible kickoff time. So, yeah, yeah, don't let's not even talk. This is the insight, not for not, not general football talk. It is an awful kickoff time after an international break, and I think it will have an impact on the game. But we will discuss that probably after um, on the Tuesday episode. But there will be an insight episode. I think that Saturday, once me and Raj have organised our, our schedules, but I think it's absolutely necessary to get that out immediately because I think we're in for maybe a, a game of the season type. Uh, I want to firstly apologise to Carlton Morris because in case you're, in case you're curious, uh, Carlton Harris is a Guyanese mixed martial artist. It's definitely not the Luton striker. I think you're thinking of Johnson Clark Harris. That's a striker as well. Yeah. Yeah. He used to play for Coventry, if I'm not yeah, wrong. He did, yeah. Don't question my football <laughs> knowledge. Uh, if you enjoyed the insight, uh, make sure you uh, drop a like on it. Give five stars to the podcast. Uh, obviously, follow Raj on social media. Follow No Ratings Pod across social media. Uh, and we will see you next time.